Today on episode 463 of Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., we have a news section so big, we're dedicating the entire podcast to it. We've got Kevin Feige's epic interview. We've got some comic book stuff. We've got some musical Marvel stuff out. And we even have a link between Sony and Marvel through the Spider-Verse. Here we go. I'm Stephen John Drew from the official GunnaGeek.com show, a weekly geek news podcast that is a part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other awesome geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. You have been granted clearance by director Alfonso Mac McKenzie. Stand by for a shield debriefing. All information to be discussed here is classified and may only be discussed among agents granted clearance by the shield director. It's an all news, all podcast for Legends of Shield. We got the entire team here. We got Agent Dribbles, Agent Fumbles, Agent Chris, and myself. Say hi, everybody. Hello. Hi, everybody. Hi. Today is March 4th, 2023, and we're going to start talking about an article that came out on Entertainment Weekly. Kevin Feige was doing the rounds before Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania came out, and the article was so big, it's divided into, I don't know, 25 different stories. So we're going to take it one by one here. I'm going to start off by saying... That Kevin Feige has revealed that fans will see Oscar Isaac's Moon Knight again in the MCU. He brought up the MCU's future during a conversation with Entertainment Weekly about the initial wave of Marvel-produced Disney Plus series, which included the six-episode Moon Knight series. Quote, the fun thing about streaming is they are there forever, and people can keep re-exploring them. Moon Knight? Same thing. I think there's a future for that character as we move forward, unquote. I don't know about y'all, but I know that there's somebody that we're very close to that we've had on the podcast before and is also on the Goody Geek Network, Anthony, who is really excited to learn about this. I asked him. He did not wet his pants. I would argue that the whole the fun thing about streaming is they're there forever has been put to the test in the past few months. but. No, I, I love Oscar Isaac. I need to actually finish watching Moon Knight because it was airing right when we were like, you have six weeks to move. So, uh, yeah, I need to get back to it. In fact, I may do that this afternoon. Stephen, Chris and I, not you, Waffles Chris, the Chris that's on the Guinea Geek show, had kind of an epic discussion. You might call it an argument. A few years ago on the Gunna Geek show about Disney Plus and the quote unquote Disney vault. And I was pretty adamant about trying to hang on to that physical media saying, oh, no, Disney can throw it back in the vault again. Now, while Disney has not done that yet, to my knowledge, we know that other streaming services have Ixnade properties that they've been streaming. We've got Netflix doing it. We've got HBO Max doing it. So it is possible that these are not forever. So yes, that is the first thing that jumped out of me when I was looking at this after I was thinking about Anthony about the future of Disney streaming. I get what he's saying, 
But those words will be tough for him to eat in the future, especially if he wants to move up the ranks at Disney, which I've heard. That being said, Disney hasn't really done it yet. So maybe on Disney, they are going to be there forever. We'll have to see. You know, Netflix with the rest of development kind of makes sense because why would you have the fourth season that you just made for you when you don't have the other ones? But Disney, for all the crazy law copyright things that they do, they've kept the streaming shows on. And I got to give them credit for that. For all that Disney has been, you know, the, the Disney Vault people, yeah, they've actually been kind of the most consistent with keeping their stuff on so far. We'll see how that goes in the future, but fingers crossed. We all know that over time in the Disney parks, they have closed rides due to changes in society, basically, is the best way to put it. Same thing could happen on Disney Plus. So you can't really say it's forever. I'm still bitter about the loss of the 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea ride. That was one. Even though I get why they did it. Anybody who's curious about that, watch Defunct Land. There's some really, really cool stuff about Disney Park closures and stuff. I mean, let's be real. Just watch Defunct Land anyway. Well, yes. We talked about Moon Knight when it was on. We all doubted like where it fit in the MCU or whether it was going to be a part of the MCU or whether Oscar Isaac had a contract with the MCU at large for reappearing. Lots of questions there. Wasn't really connected at the time. Kevin Feige saying this, though, does indicate that they're willing to move ahead, integrating the character, whether it's a season two, whether it's in the broader MCU. So I think that's good for the Moon Knight fans out there like Anthony and everybody else. Who's a fan. Moving on, Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige has provided an update on Spider-Man 4. This is kind of weird for me, by the way, because the whole Sony Marvel thing, Kevin Feige's not a Sony employee. But anyway, I digress. During a chat with Entertainment Weekly, Feige was asked if there were any updates on Spider-Man 4. Following the massive success of Spider-Man No Way Home, while his response was short, he did indicate the story is already settled for Peter Parker's next adventure. Feige said, quote, all I will say is that we have the story. We have big ideas for that. And our writers are just putting pen to paper now, unquote. The one thing I'll say to that is I really hope they're not putting pen to paper. I hope they're using a word processor. I'm just saying. For the things I'm writing right now, I am specifically using pen and paper on purpose. So it's not totally a bad thing. I have been sticking to computer lately because weird hand joint things. It turns out that the way that I hold my pencil is an Ehlers-Danlos thing. Like, I don't know if you could see, I hold my pencil weird. Well, it's definitely weird in the camera right now, but aside from that, I'd have to see it in person. Also, Chris, there's no mention here of Spider-Gwen. I mean, I'd think that would be the first thing out of your mouth and it's not i'm disappointed there's no mention of no spider gwen either there you go good comeback good comeback lauren what do we got next next we have marvel studios president and chief creative officer kevin feige reveals in quotes which character from the marvels steals the upcoming film speaking with entertainment weekly feige discussed what the major takeaways were for marvel studios during phase four which introduced several new characters to the Marvel Cinematic Universe in a variety of films and television shows. 
I hope we learn something on every project, he said. I was very pleased with everything that we did. Kamala Khan, for instance, is a great new character in the Pantheon. I'm very proud of the Ms. Marvel show. I also know, and this is a spoiler, she essentially steals the Marvels, which is coming out July 28th. It makes me excited that people will, I hope, see the movie and then go back and revisit the shows on Disney+. I'm very happy for that. I am a firm believer in passing the torch to the next generation and knowing when it's time to do that. And they really seem to be setting up for like a Young Avengers or I forget the name of the other team they had in the comics more recently. Champions. The Champions. Yes. Thank you. So, yes, I just give me give me my next generation. We'll talk a little bit more about that when we talk Ant-Man next week. But I am very happy. Yeah, we will be talking Ant-Man next week. Also, I will note, I will start counting now the number of mentions that Marvel, Marvel Studios and Disney makes to Disney Plus. They're really driving that because they want more subscriptions. It is a business model that has had a lot of expectations on it and they have not built it to what their expectations are now in reality i think they've done fine but i think they want more of course any corporation they want more i think they were looking at disney plus to be more like their parks and be a main revenue generator it is not it's good but it is not as big as they wanted anyway we got more on the marvels yes brie larson says that the Marvel's co-star Iman Vellani is the future. So, exactly what we're talking about. A huge part of why I wanted to play Captain Marvel was because of Ms. Marvel and what that meant, Larson told Entertainment Weekly in regards to her MCU origins and co-star Iman Vellani's Marvel future. Praising Vellani's performance as the young hero Kamala, she continued, to see that character realized by such a brilliant human with so much potential is just a really exciting thing. Larson described Villani, who made her acting debut last in last year's Ms. Marvel Disney Plus show, as the perfect Ms. Marvel and the most incredible person and castmate. I'm so excited for her success, and I'm so excited to see what she will do with her life, because she can do anything she wants. She's one of my favorite people on this earth. Another sales job. That's what I'm getting from this. I mean, there's heartfelt stuff in there, but you never know with actors. I mean, they're paid to act. so. I don't know. It's kind of that line, right? Well, that's jaded. That's jaded AF. I mean, come on. Women can lift other women. One of the favorite moments from the SAG Awards, I believe, is when Michelle Yeoh wins and you see Jamie Lee Curtis behind her, like giving like the biggest like woohoo. And it almost looks like Jamie Wynn won. It's like women can lift up other women without being paid to do so. I don't have any problem with that whatsoever. It goes to my prior point with Disney Plus that it's just a a huge, big Disney sales job. And that is just my viewpoint on things right now. And I have nothing wrong with women of lifting other women. Nothing wrong at all with it. And I find nothing false at all in what Brie is saying here. Okay. Yeah, she's not saying, like, go watch her on Disney+. Plus. It's just like, oh, she's perfect, and I can't wait to see what she does. I'm somebody who has mentored a young woman who has been 
just I, it's been absolutely amazing watching her grow and watching her forge her life path and it's i mean i'm not a parent but watching my niece grow and learn and watching my you know former little sister from big brothers big sisters learn and grow it's been just absolutely amazing and i mean yeah i'd talk both of them up every chance i could get if asked about them and i love seeing that with other people all right well we have another ip that we have yet to see in the mcu the Marvel Cinematic Universe reboot of Blade, starring Mahershala Ali as the famous vampire hunter, will shoot in about two and a half months, according to Kevin Feige. He was interviewed by Entertainment Weekly about the MCU Phase 5, which begins with Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, and ends with an all-new Blade late in 2024. When asked if he had any updates on Blade, Feige didn't disclose many details, but confirmed the f- that the film is moving along smoothly. It's going well, Feige said. Our director, Yan Demeng, is down, I'm very sorry if I mispronounced that, is down in Atlanta right now. Cameras roll in, like, the next 10 weeks or so. Insider reports previously claimed that Blade wouldn't begin shooting until July, but Feige's projected start date of 10 weeks means the movie will be shooting this spring. Blade has been on my mind recently because a podcast that I really love just talked about it and... Now I want to go back and watch the Wesley Snipes movies, even with all the problems I have with Wesley Snipes. And yes, I am very happy. We haven't talked the Blade movies on this show, have we? Not extensively. I kind of disagree with some of Feige's comments here. There was a change in director just a few months ago. So the fact that in September of 2022... So the fact that he's saying everything's going smoothly, yes, we've changed directions or directors and everything's going smoothly right now, but the entire pre-production has not gone smoothly for this movie. Yeah, I've never made a movie. I don't know what smooth means in this instance. Same. Yeah, I would like to hear why Bassam Tariq, who was originally directing, left the project. But the new guy, Jan Demang, Demange, I need to look it up. Worked on like Lovecraft Country. So I'm interested. I'm sure it'll be fine. It's just the statement was like, okay, it's, you're not acknowledging the fact that. I mean, ev- they're never going to say, well, it's been a really rough production. You don't hear about that until like 10 years after the fact when somebody is compiling an oral history of whatever. Mm-hmm, which we have some of that later on too. Anyway, we have more on this and another MCU new new to MCU property. We do. Deadpool 3 and Blade get basic synopses and the same filming start date. Per production list, the two MCU titles will both commence principal photography on May 1st, with Deadpool 3 shooting in Vancouver, Canada, and Blade set to film in both Atlanta and New Orleans. Brief synopses were also released for the upcoming superhero installments, with Deadpool 3 simply teasing another chapter in the raunchy, violent, and of course hilarious Deadpool series. However, the synopsis for Blade is a bit meatier and reads as follows. He is known to be a vampire hunter, half-mortal, half-immortal, 
who tries to rid the world of vampires as a way of avenging his mother who was killed by a vampire as she gave birth to him. While light on plot details, the synopsis does confirm that the MCU version of the character will retain his comic book origin. Like I said, I want to go back and revisit the first three Blade movies. So, how do we think they're going to introduce vampires in the MCU? Like, are they going to try to introduce, do you think, vampires beforehand, or we're going to get this movie and it'll explain in the beginning? I feel like there was like a little Easter egg in one of the more recent MCU movies, and I'm blanking out. It was Eternals, and it was the voice in the post-credits scene. Yeah, there was that, but like an actual vampire, I want to say, appeared in a MCU project recently, and they were like, yeah, that's, was it in Blade, not Blade, in um, Werewolf by Night? I want to say there's like a vampire head or something in the Bloodstone estate. There was a vampire head in there. Yep. And it's a good question. I'm wondering if we're going to get more tidbits or if they're going to wait. My guess is that they showed their hand so early. It would be nice to lay some more breadcrumbs along the way. But I don't know how this whole phase is going to come together. It has been reworked a little bit. The start and the end of it has been reworked. The end of it has been reworked as well as the timeline and how many movies are being produced, as well as the series on Disney+. Plus. So I just don't know the answer to that question. It's a very good question, because you might say the same thing about X-Men too, right? Yeah, we're getting the, the little hints that are setting things up for way down the line, but nothing really beyond hints. Did you know, actually... Morbius was supposed to appear at the end of the original Blade movie with Wesley Snipes to tie into they were planning to do a Spider-Man project around that time. Hmm. Yep. And uh, Morbius has been kind of tainted for me since the movie. Yeah, we all discussed it. So, Michelle, do you have any interesting insights that you might bring on this or? Were you simply asking the question? Well, with what we have coming up, because Moon Knight seemed to come out of kind of like nowhere for us and trying to figure out where it fits. I still don't know the direction of this phase besides multiverse and Kang. So is this going to be a blade balls from another multiverse and we get vampires now it's rough right now because before we had a clear thanos is a bad guy who wants to take over the universe and destroy things and it was understandable endpoint. with this i'm not sure what the endpoint's going to be like the journey i'm not too sure what the journey is going to be yet Bring up a good part about the multiverse, because we've already heard in reports that Patrick Stewart has been put on standby. I doubt Patrick Stewart is going to be Professor Xavier for the new MCU. He's just too old to keep on staff for as long as they want to run the MCU. So I would say that they'd be transitioning to somebody else, and I could definitely see them 
opening up the universe, the multiverse for that sort of thing. So yeah, that's a great possibility right there. What if we get James McAvoy back? Oh, the money they would have to toss to him. Good point. It'd be nice to see them both in Deadpool 3. True. Yeah. So we'll see what happens with that. Now, in talking about something that we talk about all the time, Kevin Feige addressed the ever-expanding scope of the MCU, pointing out that it was necessary to release a wide variety of films and television shows while noting that not everything would necessarily appeal to everyone. This is from Feige. Quote, if there is a Marvel Studios method, like there was a Marvel method in publishing, it's trying to do both. I've talked about this for years. If you want to dip in and out and just go to the movies on a Friday night or watch a streaming series, you can do that. And if you want to follow along, there's certainly much more to be discovered. But we don't ever want it to seem exclusive or that you need to have done your homework before watching something. Now, I've also realized that a lot of people like to do the homework. A lot of people find the fun in the homework and the continuity and the connectivity but it is a balance of always trying to do both, unquote. So he's hitting here on the diversity in the MCU and that not everything's going to appeal to everybody. And I think they've done a phenomenal job of that in phase three. I mean, we've all had our qualms with phase three, but one of the things that we will all agree with is the diversity that they've opened up in phase three has been phenomenal. So I'll applaud Marvel Studios and Disney on that. And I look forward to them continuing on that. And while personally, and we all might say this, that some properties hit us better than others, I haven't really seen an entirely bad MCU movie. I mean, Morbius, it's not MCU, but I haven't seen a bad MCU movie. I've just seen ones that are greater than others. So I'm all for this. What do you guys think? I mean, I am always a fan of more variety. There's so much stuff in Marvel comics that aren't, you know, just superheroes there's the horror stuff there's the magic stuff and i'm happy to see those i also acknowledge that it's getting hard to find an entry point into the mcu for new viewers this was that podcast that i mentioned that was talking blade they discussed that a little bit like there's just so much and i would like it to take moving forward more of a discworld approach where it's like you can enter just find a character or a theme that you like and enter there. But movies don't work the same as books, so we'll see how successful it is. We went and saw Ant-Man with one of our friends, and his girlfriend was asking about if, if it would be worth it for her to go, because all she knew was that this was the third movie. And it was really kind of weird for him, because he was telling her, yeah, you know, we'd like you to go, but there's a good chance you're not going to have any idea what's going on. So that, that was kind of tough for us because we hadn't met her before. And here was this perfect opportunity, but it's tied into a movie that, I mean, granted, she probably would have been fine. But, you know, there's that question of, yes, I want to see this movie, but I haven't seen anything else. It's a valid criticism as a IP gets to the point where it's too big. I think you could apply that to many other IPs, whether it's the end of the, of the hunger games or the star Wars sequels or prequels. I think it's all 
there. I mean, just take a look at what's on Disney Plus right now in Star Wars. They had two Star Wars series that had episodes on this past Wednesday, Bad Batch, and they started the season of Mandalorian. And if you had not watched The Clone Wars, getting to the Bad Batch, you'd be like, what are we talking about here? It was a really good episode, but you have to have the backstory to it in order to really understand it. Mandalorian kind of say the same thing. They did kind of a good job of backtracking a little bit, but some of it is like, who is this guy? Where are we in the universe? Where's Luke Skywalker? I don't understand what's going on sort of thing. I can see somebody that's not watched anything, but the, like the original movies coming into it like that. MCU is no different. So I think that we're going to see some of this going on and it, it's not just the, I mean, it's not just Disney properties. It's a problem with any kind of long running series of regardless of comics, books, movies, TV. You saw this back in the late 90s, early 2000s with all the Star Wars books. People were like, there's just so much stuff. I don't know where to begin. You see it with. Like I've mentioned, Discworld, it's there's oh God, I don't remember how many books like in the 30s, I think. And people will, will be like, okay, so do I start from the beginning or, and the advice there is, you know, find a storyline you like and follow that all the way through. There are so many people who've made guides to getting into, you know, X property. Wrestling. Wrestling is a good, is a great example. These are long running stories from like in the case of WWE, there's stuff that reaches back, you know, several decades. So, yeah, it's not a problem that's unique to Marvel. It's, I don't know, as properties go along and as studios especially want to invest in long-running properties because it's guaranteed money, you're always going to find the whole where Hell, when Avengers came out, we were bringing a friend of mine who's like, I haven't seen any of the previous Marvel movies. I, am I going to be confused? And I was like, no, on the way to the movie theater, let me explain a thing to you. And how long was that trip? <laughs> like an hour. Cause we were driving in Houston. So you had an hour to describe phase one. Okay. Uh, I've had to fill in my mom on a few things. Cause she's just like, I didn't watch this. Can you remember, you know, whatever she finds it very convenient that she has a daughter who talks about this all the time. Um, and who can be like, I don't want to watch these other Ant-Man movies or whatever. So you've done it. So you can tell me what's going on and tell me how whatever is. And then being on the other side of it, I have asked people, how do I get into one piece? And I have just been told, don't just wait for the live adaptation. And you can start from that beginning because one piece, the anime has over a thousand episodes. and it's very they're just like no it's gotten to the point to where you either well you could read the manga up to the point where they are in the adaptation of it or you can just read a whole bunch of these guides and start on this new story or just wait for the live action adaptation okay so it's you know and then i had students who you have to understand the MC is 10 years old. So I have students who are 
14. They were four when it started. And they're like, yeah, I watched this, but I was confused. And then it, I took an entire weekend to binge all the movies so I could understand it. And it's just interesting hearing this. This is one thing about being a teacher and seeing the generations change. And they're just like, I don't, where do we start? I'll just start here. And they go to Disney Plus and they see that in timeline thing, which is nice. They have the release date and then they actually have a like timeline, like what starts with like the Captain America and like, cause it happened in the forties and going along that way. So I think it's, you know, there's ways of doing it, but I just really feel for those people who are like, I want to get into a thing because people talk about this thing and it seems like fun, but there's really no entry point for me. That's, I know that's a huge project problem with Critical Role which has three campaigns going on. The first two were well over 100 episodes each. It's easy with campaign one. You could be like, oh, just watch the show on Amazon now. With campaign two, something that they started doing was arc summaries, like these little animated arc summaries. And I feel like more stuff should be doing stuff like that. Like you get it when you go to the uh, Alamo Draft House. They have these little, okay, here's what happened leading up to this synopsis. And I feel like we're going to have to start seeing a lot more of those, not just in the MCU, but in anything where people, you want people to join and watch your thing. You know, you always want to bring in the new viewers, readers, whatever. And yeah, we're, we're really going to need to see a lot more synopses <laughs> for stuff. Which is what I think Kevin Feige is trying to do with Champions or Young Avengers or West Coast Avengers, you know, whatever you want to call it. A couple of things jumped out to me during this was, one, are we now in the point where we need that MCU museum where you actually have the Steve Rogers display out there with the, the shield and the costume and stuff like that? That would be pretty cool to actually have an MCU museum that might do that at Disney at some point in time. That'd be kind of cool. The other thing that I wanted to point out is several of you told about wanting or being in the position where you have to tell somebody else about the property. Are we in the position right now where the properties, whatever they are, in this case, Marvel, but it doesn't have to be Marvel's, really depends on the storytelling and the explanation skills of their fans to really bring in new fans? It's kind of an interesting prospect because you have to groom a whole new generation of storytellers and fans that are storytellers in order to grow your fan base even further. And I'll give you an example that happened to me this past week, the last of us, I've never played the video game. And of course that show was on HBO max right now. And I'm really trying, I'm on the fence on whether I really want to even try to watch it or not. I don't think it's my cup of tea, but everybody's saying it is the best story I've ever seen and everything like that. So I'm like, okay, well, maybe I should give it a go. But I also know that, like, spoiler, everybody dies, except for maybe the main characters or something like that. I'm like, ah, those are not the type of stories that I really relish. So I'm depending on other people trying to sell me on getting into that series. And it's happened to all of us, and we've been on the other side. So is this now part of fandom where you actually have to have storytellers 
and advocates within your fandom in order to grow it. I think it is. You see a lot of these videos on YouTube of here's how to start getting into like this podcast or here's how to start getting into this show. Compiling wrestling arcs is a huge thing on both YouTube and certain journalist communities. So the role of the, I guess, fandom pusher is kind of, it, it's always been there. I Your quarter fandom pusher. Yeah, first one is free. <laughs> no, that is literally how they do TV shows and stuff now. You always get the first show is free on YouTube these days. But it's always been there. I have been, you know, online since I was like 13. And you always get people like, oh, you know, okay, if you want to get into this anime, here's how you start watching. Want to get into this show, here's how you start watching. And now you have these actual dedicated accounts and stuff that are dedicated to let me summarize a thing so you can get into it because. Let's face it, gatekeeping is gross, and the more people that join a thing, the more people you have to talk about thing with. All right. Well, I encourage our listener to reach out to us and let us know what you think about this topic. It sounds like it'd be an interesting discussion over on our Discord server, which you can find at gunnageek.com slash Discord. In the meantime, we're talking about properties running a long time. When that happens, I mentioned it with Patrick Stewart. Sometimes actors no longer are available. So Agent Fumbles, lead us down this path with the Thunderbolts. All right. We have a lot of Thunderbolts news. So we're starting off with Kevin Feige recently confirmed that Harrison Ford playing Thunderbolt Ross is the MCU's new U.S. president. So William Hurt, who previously played Thunderbolt Ross, unfortunately died last year. Seems right. I can't remember time anymore. But they cast Harrison Ford. Feige confirmed that Ross will move into the Oval Office in Captain America New World Order. He said, Ross is the president of the U.S. in the film. And with Harrison, you think about Air Force One. You think about some of his confrontations with the president in clear and present danger. There's a dynamic between President Ross and Sam Wilson. They have a history together. But in this film, we'll be seeing the dynamic between Captain America and the President of the United States in a way that is just incredible. I am a fan of this. I always like Harrison Ford as, you know, President or Jack Ryan or whatever movies. I want to see him yell, get off my plane and shove someone. They've kind of already done that in the MCU, but yeah, that would be kind of cool to see that. We can do it again. Get off my plane. Yeah, that would be that would be really cool. I'm looking forward to seeing this just because it's the dynamic alone on screen is going to be amazing. And Harrison can bring it when he wants to. I'm looking forward to the press circuit because Harrison Ford is also a notoriously difficult interviewee do you think they're gonna send tom holland with him (laughs) i i wish conan o'brien still had a tv show because he was always able to get good stuff out of harrison ford we'll see if he shows up on conan o'brien needs a friend or something like that but yeah it's he seems to kind of delight in making people feel awkward and 
for some reason, that is just right up my alley, sense of humor-wise. I feel very bad for the interviewers who are tasked with this, but me as a person who kind of loves awkward comedy, I can't wait. We need Harrison Ford interviewed by Aubrey Plaza. <gasps> oh, that would be fun. Be fun. So more Thunderbolts news. Kevin Feige confirmed that Sebastian Stan's Bucky Barnes will play an essential role in Thunderbolts. What's fun about the Thunderbolts film, and I sort of said this at D23, is that they are barely heroes. None of them would consider themselves heroes. When your de facto leader is Bucky Barnes, that's sort of all you need to know. That's the trickle down. I, of course, am a fan of Bucky Barnes from even before Sebastian Stan was cast, and I am a fan of Sebastian Stan. And I'm a fan of a lot of people who are, you know, a lot of the cast people who are in Thunderbolts, like Yelena Belova and Red Guardian. And I love Julia Louise Dreyfus, who is returning as, you know, Val. So, yes, this movie is just for me. I'm very happy. <laughs> I look forward to seeing Sebastian Stan on screen. Of course, I see him all the time because I watch The Martian and he's in The Martian. So I see Sebastian Stan all the time. But it's always great to see him with his prosthetic arm on the MCU. They haven't talked a lot about the lube that they've had to use yeah. lately. Yeah. And speaking of people that I am very happy to see in Thunderbolts, Steve Yoon is joining Thunderbolts. You might know him from he made his breakout role was in The Walking Dead. He's also the main guy in Invincible. He was great in things like Nope and uh, Sorry to Bother You. Anyway, again, joins an ensemble cast. We don't know who he's playing yet. That includes Florence Pugh as Yelena, Sebastian Stan as Bucky, David Harbour as Red Guardian, Julia Louise Dreyfus as Val, Wyatt Russell as U.S. Agent. Hannah John Common is Ghost, and Olga Kurlenko, Kurlenko, sorry, as Taskmaster. Ayo Edebiri also joined in an undisclosed role. So I am looking forward to seeing all these amazingly talented, fun people being weird with each other. It's going to be an amazing cast. The one name on here, other than Stephen Young, joining the cast that I just want to point out right now is Hannah John Kamen. She I don't think brought her best performance was she, when she was in the role of Ghost before. Really hope they do her better in this iteration of her character because a lot of people enjoyed her in Killjoys on the Sci-Fi Network and she just has a lot of potential. So really looking forward to her taking the next step with this role. Yeah, and Ayo Edibiri is a stand-up comedian, a writer, an actress. She's a lot of fun. And she can most recently be seen in Abbott Elementary as Janine's sister, Aisha. By the way, everybody watch Abbott Elementary. It's so good. And yeah, ever I could go down the list of every single name here. The whole future of Taskmaster, the fun that David Harbour brought, Florence Pugh. I mean, come on. This is just, it's going to be a fun movie, in my opinion. And if it's not everybody should be fired that's involved with <laughs> Marvel Studios because how can you not with this cast? Ensemble casts are so fun to just watch people bounce off each other. Speaking of people who should be fired, although this one is purely for selfish reasons because I want the job, 
According to Kevin Feige, the previously on recaps could be less important for upcoming Marvel TV shows, as they might experiment with a more traditional episodic structure. So, Kevin Feige said, we want to do shows that can only be shows. I want to continue to make them even more episodic, which may seem counterintuitive. But I do think there is something fun about leaning back and watching an episode that can be relatively self-contained. So he pointed out watching episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation to illustrate the pleasures of watching less overarching TV storytelling. And his quote continues, I still find it soothing to watch an episode of Next Gen with a beginning and an end. So I think we're going to keep experimenting with that going forward. I like that. Yeah. It's so funny that he chose that as an example because I am guesting on Strange New World fan cast right now as we're covering Picard season three, the final season of Picard, which has a lot of the next gen stuff in there. And I will say they're doing their best to have a beginning and an end with the episodes, but there is so much history we were talking about before. Where do I jump on? Picard season three is the epitome of that. It's like, I could watch it, I could be entertained, or I could know everything, and I could be like, oh my gosh, this stuff is so amazing! So, yeah, it's kind of funny that he chose the next gen with that. I get what he's saying. Like, the the series itself was episodic, but now it's it's a lot bigger. <laughs> the lore is there. My one giant complaint about all of the shows, which really applies to all of the shows on Disney Plus so far, is that they've just been giant movies broken up into 30 or 45 minute blocks. I don't, I, I will disagree slightly because Michelle has broken the code of what episode should be what. <laughs> so it's really interesting. What you, you look back at the evolution of TV, everything was episodic. And then you started to see it really kind of kicked into gear around the time of Babylon 5 which was one of the first shows that had this, you know, big overarching story. And now that's like all you see. There's very few actually episodic made for adults TV series out there. Even a lot of stuff that's for kids, like you get, you get Owl House and stuff like that. And it has these overarching stories. There is something comforting about going back to an episodic, very self-contained you know, move the plot along a little bit, but yeah, it's, it's, there's, you know, you can jump in at any point and watch anything like Parks and Rec. It isn't quite, it's kind of halfway in between where there's the, the overarching story of the season, but it's episodic and it's fun. And you just go back and you watch your comfort episodes. I'll counter a little bit because I stepped in late to community and I did not have the same affinity towards community. And I forget if it was like season three or season four, which I think it was season three, which I started watching episodes on and it did not hit with me the same way that it hit with everybody else that had watched it from season one. So there is with some properties, a little bit of an issue there. I would say this is one of the reasons why shows like, Law and Order, NCIS, and CSI are still popular. I don't know if any of you have ever seen an NCIS marathon on, I think, like USA, or because it's something you can start watching it, you can fall asleep, you can wake up, and it's like, oh, look, Mark Harmon's character, his name, Gibbs, right? Gibbs, that's his name, yeah. It's like, oh, look, he's doing his thing he's at his boat or he's doing a sniper shot from 200 miles away or some sort of impossible superhero thing they had him do 
because you can you could just pick it up whenever. So yeah, there there are there are reasons why certain things last as long as they do because people just sort of like like that stuff. Law and order is so good to have a just a nice relaxing nap day while it's on because you fall asleep and you know Benson and Stabler are questioning a suspect and you wake up and Benson and Stabler are questioning a suspect. <laughs> uh not to self-plug anything here, but you brought up Lauren Babylon 5. And just this past week on Better Podcasting Chats with SP, I interviewed a Star Trek podcaster that started podcasting about Babylon 5. Their show is Babylon 5 for the first time. They're getting a <sighs> tremendous audience. His name is Jeff Aiken, by the way. And I had him on the podcast. He talked all about the origins of the podcast, why they decided to jump into it, the fact that the fandom basically demanded it happen, and the fact that they are comparing it to Star Trek, but they limit themselves to only three Star Trek references per episode. So they're having fun with it. A lot of fun. And subscribed. Me, my spouse, and my best friend are all huge Babylon 5 fans. And we were starting to do a rewatch before the move, and then the move happened. We kind of trailed off halfway through season three, which is the best season. That's what I heard. I've never seen yes. it. Yes. Oh, SP, you have to watch it. Mm-hmm. And see Walter Koenig, um, Chekhov, oh. come on and play someone who's definitely not Chekhov. Oh. Bester is such an interesting villain. and. Ivanova is so good. Jakar is still one of my favorite characters in anything ever. Everybody, just just watch the show. Susan Talia forever. I will admit, when the show first came on and I heard about Walter Koenig's role, I was not in a place mentally to accept him in a different role. Now I am. Now I understand. All these decades later, I'm like, duh, SP, you need to see this. So I do plan on going back to it. It'll have to be after Picard season three, though, because, you know, I got that whole other podcast that I'm doing. All right, let's move on. This is the last news item from Kevin Feige's Entertainment Weekly interview. When it comes to upcoming projects in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Marvel Studios president Kevin Feige has one in particular he's most looking forward to. Quote, we talked a little bit about Secret Wars. We talked about Kang Dynasty as related to Quantumania. The only other one in terms of me personally and my 23-year history is the Fantastic Four. We sort of talked about mutants and that whole aspect to the Marvel world, but Fantastic Four is the foundation for everything that came after in the comics. There's certainly been versions of it on screen, but never inhabiting the storytelling of the MCU. And that's something that is really exciting for us, unquote. Gotta admit, I'm excited for it too, especially if they do it right. I like his little jab that other movies exist. Perfect way to do it and also be able to get away with it. Yeah. And he's throwing a nod to the fact that this is Marvel's first family. You know, this is how this whole thing actually started really was with Marvel. Even though you had characters in there before the Marvel universe and comics really started with Fantastic Four. So, yeah. In more ways than one, because there were Fantastic Four comics in the Fantastic Four comics. Yep. That's right. I kind of love that whole they are in universe celebrities thing for I'm a sucker for that in any media. 
Well, Chris, you have some news for us. Nielsen streaming top 10 stuff. Black Panther Wakanda Forever has become the third most streamed movie in one measurement week. It is official Black Panther Wakanda Forever is a good movie. I'm sure we all needed to hear that from a verified source. But according to Variety, the sequel swiftly earned a spot on Nielsen's list of the most streamed movies within a week, with 2.269 billion viewing minutes within its first five days on the service. Across all streamers on its list, it ranks third, just behind Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, and Hocus Pocus 2. Conveniently not listed there is The Eternals, just proving that stats can prove anything that you want. <laughs> I admit i had it on in the background when it came out at disney plus i just was throwing it on like okay well let's see because i hadn't seen it since i saw it in the theater so i thought i haven't been emotionally ready to watch it again which is also the same reason i haven't started watching the last of us i mean you need to know you need to take care of your mental state and right now things that make me cry a lot are not very good see that's what i'm saying thank you for my validation there okay and kind of tangential to this, the Academy Awards are getting ready to come up. Rihanna will be performing Lift Me Up from Wakanda Forever on the show. So if you're interested, it is on March 12th. We'll see how MC does. Chris, we have a little plot twist when it comes to the future of the MCU. Yes, it is only a matter of time before we get the Fantastic Four and the X-Men in the MCU. The Fantastic Four, unless things change, is coming up on Phase 6. The X-Men sometime in the future nebulously we'll figure that out unless you want to count deadpool that's an argument there but with kang and his infinite number of variants seeking to wreak havoc on the mcu marvel is going to need all of its heroes to defeat the powerful villain but is that going to include the fantastic four and the x-men jeff lovinus the writer for avengers the kang dynasty revealed via a phase zero podcast that he well let's just listen to his quote no, I think all that stuff is pretty far away, he said. I know they're making Fantastic Four, but that's its own thing. I mean, look, I'm the biggest X-Men guy in the world. We'll see about that. No, I think that's being <laughs> saved for a bit. But these Avengers are in trouble. They've got a lot going on with Kang. They have got more than enough to handle. I don't know. I think he's just started writing it and everything before he knew that he had those toys. Yeah, I'm thinking Kevin Feige's going to have a little sit down with him and say, this is kind of the direction we're going. So I think there's going to be a little uh, studio interference, for lack of a better term, involved in this. Or it's all a ruse. We'll see. Dang you. <laughs> it's probably true. All right. Another ruse we got coming at you is uh, a musical. <laughs> so according to the Disney Parks Instagram, a timeless story of a timeless hero a short one-act musical is coming for a limited time this summer to Disney California Adventure Park. Stay tuned for more details. Yes, Rogers the Musical is being worked up and will be coming to Disney Park. So at least California Adventure. Undoubtedly, someone will tape it and put it online. We'll see if they do like an official filmed thing. But again, I'm, I'm happy when in-universe... Again, like I said, I'm happy when characters are in-universe famous, and I'm happy when, you know, the dumb little jokes from things get fleshed out and made to their own thing. So I'm very curious to see how it is. 
And I'm curious who they're going to get to write it. I hope they get the cast, the original cast. That would be amazing. Oh, if they get, I'm blanking on his name, but dude that originated the role of Roger and Rent back, that would be fun. Ant-Man wasn't even there. (laughs) Sorry, I just had to say it. Michelle, you said the other thing I was going to say. I really hope, at least for the initial performance, that they bring on the original cast that was in the movie. I have no doubt that they'll have cast members from the park take over eventually. But yeah, it would be great to see that. And in a further confusion of what is Sony and what is Marvel Studios, we have some more confusing but good news. We're going to need to bring on a special consultant for this one. (laughs) (laughs) Where's the Gwen spider, Stacy? Is that ghost spider, Gwen? This is oh my gosh. Yeah, this one's specifically Ghost Spider from Spider-Verse. You've got Lauren doing it now too. She's got a t-shirt for Gwen Stacy. Yes, I am wearing a Spider Gwen t-shirt because we were recording today and I knew we I kind of had to. Spider-Man across the universe is going to reference the MCU's multiverse, if we can believe a new report. The report is coming via a reputable scooper, Daniel Richmond. It claims that the dialogue in Across the Spider-Verse will explicitly acknowledge the events of the 2021 MCU installment Spider-Man No Way Home, in which Tom Holland's web slinger unwittingly breaks down the barriers between the multiverse's various realities. Characters in Across the Spider-Verse will supposedly mention Doctor Strange's role in No Way Home as well, making the connection between the two films even more explicit. That said, Sony Pictures Animation is yet to publicly comment on Richmond's report which means it should be taken with a grain of salt for now. They would be really dumb to not do that. So. Yeah, you would think. And again, I just uh, I don't understand the business relationship between the two companies. I know it's to both of their advantage, but I just don't understand the relationship. It's never really been disclosed. And it's like Feige, he's not a Sony employee, and yet he's saying all these things about Spider-Man. So I don't know. Honestly, I think they just need to say, brought to you in part by Sony. But this is all Marvel. (laughs) All right. And to end our news extravaganza today, we return to our roots with comic books. So recently, Marvel has had a series of Planet of the Apes covers. And I was talking to my friend at the shop, and we both agreed, this is stupid. We see no reason for this happening. Why are they doing this? The covers aren't even really that good which might have been because we were confused about why they happened. But now we know why they happened. After Disney acquired Fox and all of its holdings, various comic licenses such as Alien and Predator, and most recently, Planet of the Apes, went over to Marvel. With all those properties under one comic publisher, Marvel announced today, which was actually a few days ago, via THR, that the April debut of Planet of the Apes number 1 will launch, will launch a new 20th Century Studios comic book imprint. Marvel Editor-in-Chief C.B. Sablowski elaborated on the 20th Century Studios comic imprint launch, saying, Ever since we announced our Alien and Predator comics, we hope to create a special space within our comics line to go even bigger and bolder and keep building on the comic iconic moments from these properties that we all know and love. This 20th Century Studios comics imprint, in collaboration with our friends at 20th Century Studios, is the perfect way to do that. Now that we're bringing back Planet of the Apes again through classic comic book storytelling, we're absolutely thrilled to officially launch this imprint for the fans 
and we're all honored to expand upon it in the coming months. And 20th Century Studios President Steve Asbill added, We've had a blast working with CB and his team, and as lifetime Marvel Comics fans, it's an honor to be part of such an enduring creative legacy. We think fans will love the fresh take on these beloved, iconic movies. Have any of y'all read the original Marvel Planet of the Apes adaptations? I have not. not. I have a very, very clear memory. I was, you know, that kid who read too fast and finished tests too fast. So I remember finishing very early and getting sent off to the reading corner. And one of the things that was there was the, I guess it was like 1974 Marvel adaptations of the original Planet of the Apes movie. And I had seen it already. My parents sat me down and showed me like Godzilla and Planet of the Apes and a lot of classic movies back when I was a kid. And I remember just reading that over and over again, looking at the art, and it was just so cool to me. So it's kind of nice to see them turning back to that. I've been noticing all these additional titles come pop into the Marvel section of my uh, online order form. I have not gone ahead and ordered any of them. I don't know if 10-year-older me or younger me would have or not. but. I'm just in a point now where I'm trying to limit the amount of titles I get every week, possibly even cancel it. I don't know. Maybe just all go digital, which would maybe open the floodgates into this. Are these all contained within the Marvel Unlimited now? No idea. I haven't thought to look yet. Okay. That would be a really interesting thing, though. Somebody should make some other points while I check. <laughs> well, if they were part of Marvel Unlimited, and I don't currently have a Marvel Unlimited subscription, but if I stopped getting hard copy issues, I would get a Marvel Unlimited subscription. And actually, I would probably read more titles that way, too. But I know that Marvel Unlimited doesn't contain all the titles that Marvel has, so... There's that issue with it as well. I don't know. Just trying to keep abreast of everything and manage my time and stuff like that. So we'll see. Currently, as we're recording this, it does not appear that Marvel Unlimited has that older run of the Planet of the Apes comics. Okay. Well, but they do they have the new one? Well, they wouldn't have the new one anyway right now because Marvel Unlimited is six months behind. Yeah. There you go. All right. Well. Are you looking forward to grabbing some of these? If they have a Peach Momoko cover. I might check them out. Okay. Have you found a new comic book store where you are, Fumbles? Uh, Not yet. Still looking. Um, I do need to make a trip out to Mile High Comics because, you know, kind of have to. Been hearing about it for ages. It's the big one here. But yeah, still looking for a local one. All right. Well, that brings to close our news for the day, our Marvel Studios news. There was a lot of it. That's why we dedicated an entire podcast to it. Next time, we will be talking about Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. I have not seen it yet. I'm looking forward to I've been trying to wait to see it closer to when we record. I know at least two of you have seen it. So it's looking like we'll have a great discussion a week from now. In the meantime, Chris, what do you think we got going on? Well, I just can't wait, and I want to see Kang and Killmonger fight right now, so I think we should all just go head out and watch Creed 3. 
Thank you very much for sticking with us as we went down all this amazing news and look forward to our future properties that we'll be covering in the next months and years. If you want to join our discussion, we often have great discussions of the TV shows and the MCU and the podcast over on our Discord server at gunnageek.com slash Discord. I want to thank everybody who's come along with us on this news journey today. And even if you haven't, I want to thank you, but you won't be hearing that because you didn't listen. And yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Sithwitch, where I'm usually yelling about wrestling. And you can find me everywhere that I'm at professionally on my website, lwsalinas.com. I have some big projects that I'm very excited about coming out soon. So check that out. Thank you. Love you. I would like to thank my co-host. I'm the reason why we're not doing Ant-Man today because I've had dental problems and I haven't talked a lot today because I had dental procedure done. So thank you for being understanding. I love you all. I would like to thank everybody as well because it was absolutely no question. Michelle can't be there. Then yeah, we're waiting. And I, I would like to think that we would do the same for everybody else here. But if you want to hear more from me, you can head on over to Play Comics, where I'm going to be crossing the streams, and the next episode coming out is looking at Catwoman. I think that's all I'm legally allowed to say right now about that. <laughs> okay. Well, in true honesty, we did stop because of Michelle. None of us, the three remaining of us hosts, wanted to go without Michelle for that. So we waited. But I will say, if I was the cause of having to wait, y'all, you get everybody else. SP doesn't have to be here. Everybody else does. So looking forward to that. And thank you very much for sticking with us. All the links to wherever we just said will be in the show notes. Until next time, when we talk Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, I am Director SP. I'm Agent Fumbles. I'm Agent Tribbles. And I'm Agent Uncreative Nickname. <laughs> See everybody next time. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening. If you want to leave us feedback, go to gunageek.com and you will find all our contact information and other shows. You can also visit legendsofshield.com where you'll find our complete archive of podcasts. The music heard on this podcast is by Kevin McLeod, found at incompetech.com and also artists on pond5.com and audiojungle.net. The opinions heard on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and do not represent Stargate Pioneer Productions, Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., or Gunna Geek. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is the property of the Disney Corporation, Marvel Studios, and ABC. No infringement is intended. I need to see Cocaine Bear this week. But you don't have to see it. Yes, I do. Hmm. According to Kevin Feige, Chris Osborne is hired to do the previously on clips for all Marvel shows. <laughs> I didn't realize that, uh, what's her name, produced Cocaine Bear. Yeah, Elizabeth Banks. Yeah. I'm very happy. I, yeah, I like her. Today is Make Things Go Boom Day. I used the soundboard today. Sound pads, I used them. They didn't, they didn't misbehave. They were good.
Good, we, good sound pads. Good sound pads. I'm caressing them right now. Good sound pads. Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. is copyright 2013 through 2023.